Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we take a departure from our usual thing of watching romantic comedy films and talk about a video game called Hatterful Boyfriend. It's available on the iOS and Android stores right now, I believe, um, and it's pretty cheap and enjoyable and fun, so go buy it. But do please listen to the podcast if you don't want to play it or you haven't played it, because either way, it's just fun to talk about a game, and we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So there are a couple of small spoilers for the game, but it wouldn't really affect your enjoyment of it anyway. So here we go. Enjoy. Evening, sir. Hello, you sexy pigeon. How are you? Not too bad. How? How are you? <laughs> I'm unbelievably ill. Oh no! Really? Um, what kind of thing? I have mondo cold, and I think it's been made worse by the fact that I had to have a series of vaccinations. Um, See, that sounds more so, like something that a pet would have than a human. I mean, I have been living up to this week's entertainment feature. Um, by acting like an animal by having my jabs. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, I. I you really I just you did some method acting on this one. I did. I did. I went around sort of ruffling quite a lot. Yeah, um, ruffling and rustling. E- eating rubbish off the floor. <laughs> Pecking um, at piles of sick in the street. Yeah, defecating from on high on people down below. Yeah. Um, all of the fun things. No, I, I I had to have a series of vaccinations done and also had a relatively bad cold at the same time and it's made everything worse. So I am now 90% lemsip, 10% spite, I'd say. It's a good... <laughs> That's, that sounds like the average medical employee. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I am, I am also ill, so let's turn this into an ailments podcast. I've still got this fucking sinus infection. I think I sound oh, pretty no. okay right now because I'm taking these like nasal spray steroids or whatever, but it just will not go away. So I've been you, trying you to see the GP, like but I can't self. get a can't get an appointment at the GP because Tories. So you know, it is what it is. But you sound worse than I do this week for once. So I I've, I'm trying to be I'm trying to sort of like rekindle my inner tom waits i suppose mm. so i'm just going to be going around going <laughs> see that sounds more piratey than tom waits tom waits is tom properly waits. tom waits is gravelly that sounded more piratey i i could see tom waits as a pirate though yeah you know he not only would he be a good pirate he'd be the best pirate i reckon he know, he's the be, kind of guy I mean, who Tom, he, Tom Waits is the best anything, isn't he? Yeah, he never half asses a thing. He whole asses everything. Indeed. Yeah, I heard he got into collecting stamps, and now he owns every stamp in the world. <laughs> if you buy a stamp, it came directly from Tom Waits's personal collection. That's why. That, that's, that's why they're why... so expensive. That's why they had to privatize <laughs> the Royal Mail. Pull up so much in price. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, it's nothing to do with the fact that they privatised Royal Mail and privatisation is a sham. It's no, it's because of Tom Waits. They're called Royal Mail because he is officially the king of stamps. <laughs> yeah. 
but he's the king of stamps, the king of gravel, the king of pirates, piracy, I should say, on the internet as well. Move aside, Kim.com. <laughs> Whatever happened to Kim.com? Is he still a thing? Is he still a person? Was he even real? I don't know. Um, I, I genuinely don't know what happened. Yeah. He was all over the news for a while. And then, I think actually, there's only room for like one sort of tech-focused gobshite on the internet at a time. And that role has been filled by Elon Musk for at least the last six months. So maybe like... <laughs> it's true. He it's like true. killed Kim.com and stole his job. I'm having a look now at what he's done. Kim.com, also known as Kimball and Kim Tim Jim Vester, is a German-Finnish internet entrepreneur, political activist. He has five children. Wow. Oh, also, at the, in the Wikipedia things, Good Times, brackets, Kim.com album. <laughs> hey, it got to number eight in New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand. What are you doing? New Zealand seems cool. <laughs> Chris Schultz of the New Zealand Herald <laughs> called the album a musical mess and rated it one star out of five. I really want to hear this album now. He did He did start a party called the Internet Party in New Zealand, <laughs> which contested the 2014 New Zealand general election under an electoral alliance with the MANA movement. As in Bread from Heaven? The MANA movement, formerly called the MANA Party. Yeah, is a New Zealand political party. Manna from heaven, or is that just the Catholic in me coming out? <laughs> I don't. Well, it's it's started by um, Jesus. No, it's an offshoot of the Maori Party. So it's still at least it's an indigenous rights political party. Okay, yeah, that's that so sounds good. Right. Done with that. Um, but of course, he wouldn't be able to be a, a member of parliament in New Zealand, would he? King Kim dot com because isn't he German? He's German Finnish, apparently. German Finnish. He's got a very German Finnish to him. So apparently what he's doing at the moment is failing to run a political party. Yeah, fair enough. That's better than what Elon Musk is doing, to be fair. <laughs> how many um how many hours do you reckon you you will have worked when this week is over? At least five hundred hours. Yay! And that would still be still not be enough for our Elon. No, no, it? it's forties the threshold. You're changing the world, buddy. Well done. I mean, I'm consistently working to change the world for the worst, is what I'm aiming. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just make there. it that little bit worse for everybody. 40 hours a day, kicking cats. I'm just going around whispering to children that they're not going to amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, like queuing up in the post office and then just leaving, you know. Yeah, I'm the one who's taking all of the um, appointments at your doctor's, Paddy. Oh, fuck you. I'm just calling up under a different pseudonym each time. Uh, but this is the thing. Like, I, f- I feel really bad because I know that what- I'm going to go in and try and get an appointment by just, like, ringing up on the day. But then I know I'll go and they'll be like, you can wait around and I'll wait around. And then there'll be, like, a bunch of people who are, like, older and sicker or younger and sicker or somehow, you know, sicker than me when I'm just, like, a genuinely pretty healthy guy who happens to have a blocked nose all the time, you know? And it's like, there should be enough resources to cover all of us, but there aren't. And I'll worry that I'm taking it from some old person, you know? Bear in mind that some old people are massive hypochondriacs, though. And they don't always need the appointment. They also voted for Brexit, so I don't feel too bad. <laughs> they, they also voted for the dismantling of the NHS in 10 years' time, so... Yeah, this, too is, bad. this is true. Sucks to be them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, and 
Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much because health is relative. Everyone needs to see the doctors. This is and... true, and I hardly ever, ever go. So, Oh, precisely. So, yeah, don't feel bad about doing that. Like, Just I actively avoid sure, it. Make sure you elbow as many people in the face as possible on your way into the doctors <laughs> and be like, I am important. I need to see them. Yes, I'll, I'll put on my, my poshest possible voice. Like, Excuse me, sir. Do you not know who I am? Pardon me. Yeah. I I just got back from my gap year. <laughs> There's a blast from the past for you. Uh, between that and Kim.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a real... We're at the cutting edge of popular culture. <laughs> Speaking of cutting edge of popular culture, let's talk about a weird Japanese romance game from a few years ago. That came out in, I'm going to say, 2011. When did it yeah, come so out? so the Japanese version came out in 2011, and then it released in the like Europe and the US in 2014. Yeah, I'm sorry to say that I didn't spend 40 hours playing it. So I, <sighs> Elon um, Musk will be so disappointed. Be curious, I did not change the Hatterful boyfriend world, but I I played a good few hours on it. I got through a couple of the storylines, I think, and I really enjoyed it. It was great. It was really like something that was just so, so different to everything else that I experience and that I consume and that I do, you know, it was just a real, it was almost a Zen-like experience to play this game because it was just so antithetical to the world of, you know, social media and sniping and even like books and other stuff that I read. It was because it was very, the level of interactivity in the game was very, very low, but it was still just just enough of it to really, really engross you. Did you find that? Yeah, so I have a bit more experience with this kind of stuff than you. Yeah. Um, so I had a bit more of a context around it. And there's this very popular um, subgenre of games that's become very prevalent in Japan and that has slowly been seeping its way into the rest of the world. And sort of had a full boy- boyfriend, I think because it was so strange in its choice of characters, it kind of captured this and it's it's kind of led to a gateway to other games of this type and and effectively what they are is they're romance games that almost act as interactive novellas yeah the wikipedia page than, here describes it as an interactive novel which i'd say i'd say is fair yeah so so more than an actual game it's effectively you're making the odd choice here and there and then it's playing out different story strands almost like a choose your own adventure book yeah and occasionally um, really you get choices. Do you, do you go to math class? Do you go to music class? Do you go to gym class? Or yeah, do you where do you go on your elective day or whatever? Those kind of things. Yeah, and that's all it really comes down to. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's very, very limited in terms of gameplay. Um, but I think it's it's quite interesting and it's quite nice. And, and that kind of game... In general, it's it's grown quite a lot in the last few years, and partly that's because you've got people who are storytellers who find that these kind of games are very easy to program. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of tools that allow people to program them quite easily, um, and they're quite a unique way to tell stories. So, so in a way, Hatterfield Boyfriend, although it's it's part of this very long line of games of this sort, it actually helped pioneer it in the west i suppose which which i think is interesting and i think it's quite nice that it's done that um but it's almost like a i I think the version that we've played is almost like a remake of the original um, right where they sort of took the original game and they basically remade it and um 
Is that rather than just doing a translation? They they kind of it's it's almost a shot for shot remake of it, but it's it's like built from the ground up again. Did they sort of change things? You think for us us foolish Westerners who might not understand all the the funny stuff or the cultural goings on? I don't think so because it still seems very abstract, um, and and I think it was a very faithful. I don't think they 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 did a you know they there's lots of horrible. <laughs> Um, American remakes of Japanese anime, for instance, yep. where they try and westernize everything, and I don't think they've done that here. Oh no, I didn't get that um, feeling at all. Like the humor felt very, very Japanese, like really, really quirky and sort of strange non sequiturs and little things that are sort of dark here and there. Um, that yeah, it was that was very, very enjoyable. But yeah, I didn't feel that it was westernized in any way, actually, which was great. I was just curious as to whether they had done anything in. Um, porting the game over for uh, the iOS market. This version that we're playing, I think it used the same translation as the original game. Um, so I don't think they, they did much to change it from the original source material whatsoever, which is which is pretty cool. And I, and I like that. It's very much a, this is this thing. Go and play it. Go romance and birds, you, you freaks. <laughs> yeah. So if if you're listening and you haven't played the game or heard of it, you might have heard of it because I think it got a lot of like, I think I'd say it got a fair amount of social media attention a few years ago in a sort of lol look at this isn't Japan weird kind of way. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think it, it, I think there was this this interest in it because this is a this is a weird game from Japan. Yeah, and and I think that's where it came where a lot of that interest originally came from was like. It's one of those. There's like, oh, it's one of those weird cult Japanese romance games. Oh, but it's got birds in it. Yeah, and I think that's that's what piqued a lot of people's interest. Yeah, but um, but I think I think after that, when people started playing it, I think they realised that there was something really unique about it, and that it wasn't just some kind of circus sideshow to be enjoyed in a kind of racist way. Yeah, but actually, it was an interesting project in its own right outside of a hey look at how kawaii this is yeah kind of thing oh yeah yeah definitely it's it's really unique but it's so simple as well that's the thing about it the choices are really simple the the pictures are very simple and actually what the goings on inside the game are pretty simple as well it's like you're a high school student do you go to this class do you do this here are the here are the characters some of them are funny some of them are kind of scrapping and arguing in high school ways that kind of thing and it's the the romance element is relatively chaste but it's still kind of enjoyable the first the first one that i did i romanced the um the the one in the library did you go for him oh the library boy yeah i thought um, he was no, dark, he was dark and mysterious and moody and that's that's right up my street so i decided to pursue him and he ended up being very dark and mysterious didn't he yeah yeah did so how do you know that if you didn't play through or have you looked at all the storylines and stuff? So I, I looked at all the storylines because I reached a pretty weird end. I, I did about four or five playthroughs, I think five playthroughs in the end. And I reached a couple of weird moments and I was like, there's definitely something odd going on with this game. Um, So I did a little bit of reading up. I was like, oh, I wonder what the other endings are. And then found out that after the endings that you get, there's then further endings. And there's almost like an entire second section of the game. Right. Um, do you know much about the lore of Hatoful Boyfriend, Paddy? Did uh, you read up about I, it? I did not. As you said you were going to, so I figured you could fill me in. 
But yeah, I did have one one where I got to the end of like a, a romance where I brought two other people together, and then it said it was the end, and it was like, no, that is not the end. And then I got to play through to the uh, the guy in the library who, yeah, turns out to be a ghost of a student who killed himself in the library. And yes, he, yeah. like I helped him to get go from purgatory into the afterlife by talking to him and being nice to him. So that was nice. But I actually genuinely did feel like a quite a real pang of sadness um at the end for him so it, it genuinely i did, did emotionally connect with this game are you now a pigeon lover oh no he was a morning dove wasn't he yeah that guy get it get it morning dove see it's because he's dead, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> um so so um so so what other before i get onto the into the greater lore what other playthrough did you do then if you did two so and um, actually i think that might have been the only one that i finished yeah, yeah. So I got two endings, but they were both part of the same playthrough. So then I started the second playthrough, but I didn't finish it. But I got to—I was going with one of the sporty boys in that one. Oh yeah, the yeah. one who beats his brother in a swimming contest. Yes, yeah. I went. Um, that I I got through that one to a certain point, but I didn't finish it before I ran out of time. Um, the other ones that I did was I romanced Pigeon Best Friend. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That, that seemed, seemed like, like a, a fairly obvious way to go. He seemed like a thoroughly nice chap. And I was like, yeah. no, I'll go for, go for him. Yeah. I went after the creepy doctor, the creepy partridge doctor. I was I didn't know you could do that. You could. Oh, um, okay. Cause there, and there was one point where the teacher offers to walk you home. And I was like, yeah, no, not, maybe don't pursue that. No. <laughs> I see. I, I saw that in my first playthrough and I was like, oh, I'm definitely going after that. <laughs> so on the next, on the next playthrough, I, I, I aggressively pursued my teacher. Um, the one who's always falling them. asleep. Yeah. See, he's always <laughs> falling asleep and I went after him. Um, so shall I tell you about these different endings? Yeah, please so, do. So your pigeon best friend, he, um, he right, has a very, he has a very ill mother. Um, near the end of the game, his mother dies um, and then explains that he is also sick himself, but he's always been a sickly bird. And that you, as this... Hu- oh, by the way, you are a human girl. Yeah. Everyone else is a pigeon or a bird of some sort. You are not a bird yourself. You're a human trying to start a relationship with a bird. I did not initially realise that the character you're playing was female and I gave it a male name. I just assumed that, like, either that there was no concept of gender in it because they're birds, or that, like, they were all male and it was gay. So I gave it a male name, and then, like, a few a few things in, I realised it was female. But you, oh. you are specifically a female character in this game. Yes, yep. I, I I called my character my dude, but I did that specifically <laughs> because then when you see all of the conversation uh, points, they're just going, "How are you, my dude?" and stuff like that, <laughs> that which I that do. I I do that in literally every video game where I have to choose my own name. Um, because it always leads to hilarious moments, particularly in the Pokemon games. It's always good in the Pokemon games. And if you only um, get one name, you, it's one word, my dude. Yeah, so put a little space in the middle. But yeah, so so um, so yeah, so at the end, it's quite tragic, and he's like, "Oh, but I'm, but I'm just a pigeon, and you're a human being, and you know, by I'm going to be dead long before you are." And there's a very touching moment where your character's like, oh. "Well, you know, for the time we have left, we shall be together," something like that. Oh, um, and that's so like, nice. oh, that's very nice. Um, the teacher, he's acting quite mysterious. And at some point you find this photograph on the floor that's fallen out of his wallet or something like that, Ooh. where it's a woman's face, a bird woman's face with it all scribbled out. And you're like, oh, is this guy some kind of serial killer? Um, because there's there's these hints in the game that there's some kind of weird disappearances going on. And you're thinking, oh, is it the 
teacher. It's not the teacher. That's his wife that died many years ago. Um, and that he's still not quite over. And and at the end of that one, where you're like, you can live again, you can love again, sleepy teacher man. Um, sleepy teacher bird. He um, he says, well, look me up in a few years when you're not my student, basically. Right, okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's that's a better way of doing it. So it's still kind of mildly pervy, but it's at still, least it's It's still not, mildly yeah. creepy, yes. Um, the Another ending I had, um, I got murdered by a gang of Millicent Hawks. Oh, what? Yeah. And that was one of the first times where I thought, you know what? Something weird's going on in this game. Um, which was made even weirder by the ending of the of the Partridge Doctor. Yeah, he, what what happened there? So can he, you do you actually can you actually romance him? Um no you can you can pursue him romantically and he shows interest and then he murders you <laughs> um, so i i got to a bit where i was working in the infirmary yeah and my last playthrough i was working through the infirmary but because i wanted to date the sporty boy who was also working there not because i wanted to date the partridge doctor and there was a bit where there was like a an urban legend that he kills people and puts them in the school food is that what happens does he kill you and put you in the school food that is what happens, um, but there's hints at even more than that going on. So, are you ready to go down the rabbit hole that is the lore of Hatterful Boyfriend? You mean the pigeonhole? The pigeonhole. Yeah. What's in your pigeonhole? So, right. Okay. Are you in? You're in for a long, a long haul here, Paddy. I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. So, basically, what's happened is that Hatterful Boyfriend is an alternate reality version of Earth. Um, where there was this strain of bird flu called H5N1, which <laughs> almost wipes out the entirety of the human race in around the year 2068. Um, in a bid to combat this, humans introduced this countervirus um, that's supposed to wipe out birds to, to keep the rest of the human population alive by having no carriers around. Um but in a pure Planet of the Apes style moment, it instead makes all the birds super intelligent. <laughs> so humanity is nearly wiped out by this virus. And now you've got these super intelligent birds everywhere who become the dominant species on planet Earth. Um, right. Eventually, they uh, they form an alliance, the humans and the birds. The humans are, are basically treated as second class citizens by this point because there's so few of them. Um and there's all this massive segregation going on. So that's where we reach St. Pigeonations Institute, the high school where the game is set, where you play a human character who's who lives in solitude, who lives this sort of hunter-gatherer lifestyle in this cave in the outskirts yeah, of yeah. town. No, like, parents or anything. No. Who is then sort of put into this high school as this kind of experiment to see whether birds and humans can form genuine emotional connections right so and there that, is that lore is, as to how the human arrives at the high school because yes, i didn't really and the, get that from and, it. The, and there is this massive law behind the scenes about this weird post-apocalypse and this weird dystopia where super intelligent birds run the world um and that's where those hawks came into it that murdered me because clearly i wasn't doing a good enough job of making a connection with the other birds and so the the hawks, who are this militant party in in the in the Hatterfall universe, uh, decided to up and kill me. 
Jeez, what was your apparent crime? Just not fucking a bird quick enough, I think. <laughs> that's what it was. I mean, that's um, what we should all be doing. I had an encounter with some some pigeon punks. I who, I also had to beat an me encounter. Up. That was one of my favorite parts of the game. Was um was when you're you take a summer job, and um as part of this you meet this this cool scooter bird, um and and then you meet you sort of are chatting with the people who run the cafe where you're working, and there's like this history of romance between scooter bird and. The, the main customer in the cafe that, and it's really nice scooter bird justin bieber's manager <laughs> um but it's really nice isn't it it's a really nice moment where you help these two people get together yeah i brought them together it was great i love that i felt really good about myself um yeah which was really nice there there is more going on though by the year so what's what's really interesting about this is that obviously having played through it a, a few t- a couple of times and sort of enjoyable stuff i did get the feeling that there's actually this kind of big world behind it but looking at the Wikipedia now, I see that like if you are if you play through a few of the different storylines, it unlocks like a whole other game. Yes, yeah, which I didn't have time to do because I think you've got to put a lot of hours into it. <laughs> yeah, because I think it only unlocks when you've replayed it to get all endings or something like that. Yeah, um, which is basic interesting. Yeah, and and it's really strange, and it's tied up in this weird politics of the world where there's this evil group of people the hawks who want to destroy any remnants of humanity and what it turns out being is that that the the sports hunk that you were trying to romance is part of the dove party who are a group of nice birds who want togetherness and uh and and don't want to kill everybody the chemist who murdered me the the, the doctor who you can romance um, he's part of the evil group and he's actually creating a new super deadly virus on school grounds. <laughs> and it turns out that he's been infecting your pigeon friend with it, which is why your pigeon friend is ill all the time. Oh, right. Wow. So there's all sorts of weird shit going on. There's this weird, like, scarecrow monster that starts appearing and things like that. There's all this weird shit that suddenly happens, which I wish I'd had more time to, to reach and play through myself. And I may well go back and play it. It's a real onion. I mean, I could see myself genuinely really getting lost in the different layers of this game if I had time. And I, I genuinely regret that I, I don't have enough time in my life to do that. Like, it would just take so long to do that and I have so much other stuff to do and books to read and whatever. But like, I really would like to. It's it's the kind of thing that seems like it would be really fun and enjoyable to immerse yourself in. Yeah, and you'll find that a lot of... Because uh, I've played a few of these games now um, because I saw that they're becoming quite a trend and i thought you know what i want to test these out and see what's going on and, and some of them are quite bad but there's other ones the ones that are a little bit more intelligent like this where there are these huge layers to them that you uncover where there's there's this surface level romance aspect but then underneath there's ways that they they've been working around it and they've been circumventing that and and pulling the rug from under you where it leads you into unexpected places so so for next halloween i'm putting this down now um, we're going to be playing a game called Doki Doki Literature Club, which I, I, you are not allowed to look anything up about, Paddy, before we play it. Okay, you've got okay. to go into it blind, and I you've got not. to, you've got to play it right through to the end. So we'll do it as like the last episode, and you will have had to have played it all the way through the month or something like that. Um, That's a good idea. Which, which I played, and it was genuinely one of my favourite games of last year. It's completely free, and yeah, it's a really interesting one, shall we say? It goes places where you, you're not going to expect it to go. Yeah, 
That's that sounds really good and a really good idea to just kind of play it through the whole month as well. It sounds yes, great. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cool this game, and I liked the birds. I thought it was quite weird at first, but I think they they chose these pictures of birds, which were able to get quite a lot of expression into them. It was weird as it is to say, don't you think? Even though every every time the bird appears, it's the same stock image of the bird. <laughs> There's no like animation or anything. Literally, just a picture of the same bird. Which is hilarious. Yeah, there's something really funny about it. Yeah, it and, leaves and there's this a option lot to the imagination. The, there's this option at the beginning where you can show human avatars as well, and you didn't do it. You remain true to the to the. Bird I did format. the second time, so I have seen a lot of them. Uh, weirdly, one of them is still is like a bird in a suit. Yes, yeah, one of them is still a yeah. bird. <laughs> did, did you have any idea why? I ha- I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> That's a good good joke, though. It added a lot to me to, to be able to see the human avatars as well. Um, it was see, at first really... I was like, if I'm going to date birds, I just want to see the birds, you know? Yes, yeah. Okay, right, I'm looking this up now. It might be this fella, right? The the one who always appears as a bird. Um, bird in a suit. Because he's, he's kind of obsessed with pudding. Again. Yeah, he's, he, always, he kind of... he's always stamping on a pudding. Um, it turns out that he they go off on a journey to find the ultimate pudding. And well, then uh, that's something I have done in my life. And then when they find it, he regains his memories of being Lord Pudi, God of Pudding, and he engulfs the entire world in pudding, changing the world into a better place. Wow. That's the kind of shit that happens in Hatiful <laughs> Boyfriend listeners. That's awesome. I'm um, looking at Okosan fan art right now. There's lots of fan art of him like hugging puddings and stuff. <laughs> That's great, but yeah, um, loved loved all the bird pictures. They brought enough of it that you you would you there was things going on in there for you to imagine. There were enough visual cues, but it was mostly it was still pretty like reading a book, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's it's interactive fiction basically, and and so it, it there there is this heavy emphasis on and still enjoying it as a text more than an an interactive game experience. Yeah. Like you, you could novelize this quite well. And you think that maybe the people who came up with it perhaps like came up with or had like the idea to write this book about this weird kind of bird lore future, and then thought, no, I'm going to do this as a kind of interactive game. And yeah, I'm glad that they did because the idea of the idea of playing having to play it through so many times is really interesting as well because it requires a lot of commitment as well of it being not linear and kind of just knowing that everything comes down to a few small choices is a very, very interesting way to play and to experience a narrative as well. Yeah, and it, and it's something that games can often do very well. Um, you get you get several games where replayability in that way, to see different story strands and things like that, is is an aspect of it. And, and, and I, it's one of those things that games does that other media can't do, is give the player that control over seeing where the story can go. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, um, games as an art form can really take advantage of, and um, and I wouldn't say that this is the perfect example of it because, after all, it is a game about romancing birds. But <laughs> there there are elements here that are really interesting that I, I'd love to see other people do in different ways. Yeah. Um. But but even something as as story less as as the hitman games i don't know if you've played any of the hitman games paddy no that rings a um, bell 
you play this bald assassin who goes around and murders people based on contracts. Aren't um, all assassins bald? Isn't it a requirement? It is a requirement. You have to shave your head. Um, and, and, and there's this overriding plot about, you you know, you don't remember your past and everything like that. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. It's all contrived nonsense. The real story and the real pull of the Hitman games is for each of the individual missions that in their own... In, they're in their own almost playground or sandbox where you decide how you want to assassinate this person. Right. And and the game is basically come up with the most Rube Goldberg ingenious way to kill this guy, whether it's leading him down and pushing like some like a moose head off a platform onto his head and stuff like that. It's all about coming up with them with the cleverest way to kill someone and make it look like an accident or make sure that nobody notices. And so there's these countless ways in which you can do it. And that's where the real story lies for Hitman. That's where the real narrative lies. That's where the real pull of the audience comes from. And and, and that's the kind of thing that games can do incredibly well, is put control and ownership over the storytelling into the hands of the player. I think I'd like to die by Moosehead. <laughs> die by Moosehead. That's the name of... Um... That's the name of one of Scott Pilgrim's bands, isn't it? <laughs> Death by Moosehead. No, that's Drive by Moosehead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if I was like, I'd like to be like 95 years old, shuffling along in a hotel, having done everything in my life that I wanted to do, and like some giant Moosehead to just come down and crush me. That's how I want to go. The, um, the, in, I don't think it was the most recent Hitman, it was the one before that. Um, you have to kill this person who's a lawyer for the Yakuza. And and what you do is, or what I did was, you sneak in, you're, you're in this resort that they're in, this sort of like well-being resort, and you go and you knock out the yoga instructor, take his place, and then do a private yoga course for this Yakuza lawyer um, and make them do downward-facing dog on the edge of a cliff and then just kick them off. <laughs> That's hilarious. That, that um, yeah, sounds that really great. good. Yeah, it's they're really good fun. They're really good fun games. But would you say that most of the games that are in this this wheelhouse don't have as much lore or as much detail as Hat Off or Boyfriend or as many layers? The ones that I've played, and, and I can't say that I am an expert in them because my my um, introduction to them has been purely from a Western curiosity point of view, rather than being really into them as a as a game type. Um, right. But my general feeling is that they haven't had as much and and these kind of interactive stories don't always have as much lore behind them as this does and like the amount of detail that's gone into all of the behind the scenes nonsense of this game is excellent yeah it seems like they really spent a lot of time on that but not only did they spend a lot of time on it they didn't get so invested in it that the game became too self-conscious or that that it stopped being funny and enjoyable as well. Like it's really self-aware, but in a way that's really lighthearted and funny, just in the way that they like, they describe think if anytime they say body, they say birdie. So, Oh, some birdie was in here and stuff like that. Like that, really made, that me, made me laugh every single time. I'm not yeah. even going to lie. Like it adds an, an element of silliness to it that really works. Yes. Yeah. There, there's, there's, it, it's, it's very aloof. I think is the way to describe it. And and it really works in its favour, having that kind of tone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. It is very, very funny. But there's all this really quite serious and weird stuff going on as well. 
which yeah which just makes it enjoyable and those things don't feel like they don't work together either which could happen i suppose if yeah you have it's all it's all romance and high school stuff and then suddenly the like partridge doctor is killing you to put you in the school dinners yes yeah it's it's really i don't know it almost feels like a bizarre soap opera with with the it, it, it feels like it's the kind of game that would exist in twin peaks yeah basically it's it's a real strange one and i i love it <laughs> it's really it's really good I'm, i think i am going to go back and play this some more yeah definitely i i feel like when i have some downtime i'm going to carry on with it maybe see if i can eventually get to the thing i know i won't have that much time to dedicate to it but yeah it's something i i will actually return to and i i didn't expect that at all i thought it would be just kind of a, a fun a fun curiosity we'd talk about it and go lol isn't this strange Whereas actually I did get quite invested in it. Yeah, finding out about all the random stuff that happens after you've played the core game. Um, I love it when games do that kind of stuff. Where, I, I I don't know, I'm a massive games hipster, I suppose. But my favourite games are always the ones that take full advantage of using the medium in the best possible way. What, you, just you what, to... mate? Everyone knows the best games are Call of Duty and FIFA. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I think in terms of hours put into a particular game series, FIFA is definitely number one. The yeah. sheer hours I have put into playing simulated football really the mind. Yeah, I love FIFA. It's, I get it every year. I really love it every year. I super enjoy it. I think they're great. Um, apart from all of the horrible microtransaction bullshit they put into the online modes. Which oh, have they got these, can... these loot boxes they have now? They are one of the worst examples of loot boxes, and they were one of the worst examples of it long before anyone twigged what loot boxes were. They've been doing it for fucking years and been getting away with it. Were they just calling it loot balls because it's football? Loot balls. <laughs> no. Um, they, Hi, they... I'm loot balls. They... <laughs> loot balls day on Twitter. Um <laughs> They 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 have this game mode called FIFA Ultimate Team, which is online, and it's basically like opening uh, card packs, like you know the old football cards you used to get when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's basically that, and then you open them, and then the cards themselves are like players in the game or ways to upgrade your squad and stuff like that. Um, but to buy them, you can buy them with real world money, and therein lies the problem that you've got a game which is suitable for players from ages three and up where a lot of the most popular game mode of it, you can go in and you can just spend money, 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 money to buy. Um, but what you get in these packs is randomised, so it's almost like gambling. Yeah, um, that, that shit is awful. Yes, and I don't know if you saw, I, I wrote about this um, I did, I wrote your week. piece, it was very good. Oh, thank you very much. Um, children with gambling problems, the that issue has quadrupled in size in the space of two years. Jesus. Um, and part of that is to do with the easy access of online gambling, um, predatory apps on the app store um, that basically allow kids to do things like playing bingo and roulette and slot machines and stuff like that digitally. Yeah. Um, but also the Gambling Commission pointed out loot boxes in video games as being a way of introducing gambling systems to children where it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and it's a real problem, and the games industry should be ashamed of itself for thinking that it's all right. Yeah, for sure. Not only for doing it, but for defending it as well. Like, yeah, kids getting on, like, apps and games and just, like, buying shit all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And 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 gaming's just a small part of a larger problem. 
but the the systemic issues of this are going to be felt for generations unless we do something about it now and that doing something should be banning loot boxes in video games quite simply yeah treating pretty, ob- loot, pretty treat, obvious treating yeah. loot boxes as the same as every other kind of gambling and making you have to be 18 years old to do it yeah it's yeah it's it's an obvious solution it's the same as gun control isn't it Oh, there's no way to prevent this. How can we stop this from happening every time there's a mass shooting? I don't know. Maybe ban guns. <laughs> yeah, it's not stupid. It's, it's not difficult, guys. Ban guns. It's worked in literally every other country in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, you know, we're, we're okay in the UK, aren't we? We've got a whole bunch of other problems. But, yeah, I don't worry that someone's going to come and shoot me up. Yeah, we... um, unless I'm playing Call of Duty, which I do all the time because I am a, a lad. I he- I hear you are a massive fan of Call of Duty. <laughs> yep, I'm a massive lad, and I love shooty fighty. You love the the shoots banter. <laughs> yeah, shoots. Let's do some shoots. <laughs> um, but how do we? Oh yeah, loot boxes are bad. Stop it. Yeah, very bad. App- Apple should put bigger restrictions on getting kids into um gambling apps sort it sort it out um if you're in a pub and you see kids using one of your gambling machines tell them to stop or better yet don't have a fucking gambling machine in your pub you skeezy bastards (laughs) yeah for for drunk people to to play on to gamble that, that works out well yeah gambling is evil if you work in the gambling industry you are evil get another job yeah there's no way around that is there really no there's no way around it it's a predatory industry yeah it's an industry of exploiting people who have addiction problems yeah um and if you are in any way involved in it even if it's including um loot boxes and video games you're part of that same issue and you should stop doing it yeah you know find something more wholesome to do with your time like playing hatterful boyfriend yeah there's no loot boxes in hatterful boyfriend no there's just beautiful pigeons it's just wonderful birds. And... Or as the, as the Japanese call a pigeon, a rock dove. Which is great. It's way better. Yeah. It's like a rock lobster. <laughs> or or rock man, which is the Japanese name for Mega Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is he originally a Japanese creation, Mega Man? He is, yes. I thought so. Like all good things in video games. Nearly all good things in video games. Yeah. I like I like my Western games as well. Western as in country and western. Yeah, I like Trace Adkins Simulator. It's my favourite video game. That's the best game. It's, yeah, it's it's like a text-based adventure game, but of the um, the Honky Tonk Badonkadonk video. It's, it's you, like... You choose which butts to slap. It's just Dance uh, dance dance Revolution, but every song is Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. Yeah, with increasing levels of difficulty. <laughs> Like every time you play it, it's kind of there's a commitment to replaying it that is the same as how you have to keep going through the narrative in Hatterful Boyfriend. But every time you do it, it's just it's like it's been sped up by one beat per minute and it's been pitch shifted up just a tiny bit. <laughs> uh, I would pay. I, I'd pay good money for that. Yeah. Dance, dance, badonkadonk. <laughs> badonkadonk revolution. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what's coming, folks. It's around the corner. See, what happened was that there was this strain of bird flu, right? And um, <laughs> the only way to stop it was to wipe out all country western singers. 
However, the countervirus they introduced made all country western singers super strong and super smart. So they then became the dominant force. Yeah, country and western singers are now the dominant species. What does that mean for artists who used to be pure country but have gone pop like Taylor Swift? They are they are the worst. They are fully ostracized from society. Yeah. Maybe we should try sending one to uh, like country and western school and seeing how they go on, just as a kind of experiment. What do you think? I think that would be a really good idea. We just need to warn them that Trace Atkins, the chemist, might cut off their head. <laughs> Dr. Trace. <laughs> Dr. Trace. Yeah, he might, he might cut off your bum and put it in the, <laughs> put it in the school food. He might slap your grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't bring your grandma to school. She's going to get slapped by Trace Atkins. <laughs> I looked at the YouTube comments on that song and one of them was just slap your grandma in capitals <laughs> followed by like 50 question marks. And I, I thought, mean, yeah, man, that good question. May well, that may well have been a comment <laughs> left by me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, if, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, just go to YouTube and type, type in honky tonk badonk donk and it'll, <laughs> it'll explain itself. It will all make sense at the end. The episode where we talked about it at length, which was back in September. I can't remember what film it was, but I'm pretty sure we spent more time talking about Honky Tonk Badonk Donk. It was, it was, um, it was Harvest Moon. We were talking about Harvest Moon and country music. That's right. See, now that film would have been very, very different in the um, country and western super strength universe. It would, it would. It also would have been very different if all of the cast were birds. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because at harvest time. Birds can't do nothing except peck all the seeds and the fruit off the trees, so they'd be busy. They'd be busy pecking. It's true, it's true. I also loved how in How to Full Boyfriend, the logic of when they were birds and when they had kind of human characteristics wasn't that consistent, but it was just consistent enough. Yeah, I think it played it fast and loose, and I think it was all the better for it. It's, yeah. it's not one of those It's not one of those games where you want that rigidity to it. No. If there's one thing I don't like, it's a rigid bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear i don't know why but that tickled me yeah it's very it's very very good i'm now looking at um similar games on google and top is my horse prince you my, horse my, prince. my horse prince i do not know my horse prince oh shit this actually looks really cool in a weird way there's a guy who's like a centaur and he's playing a guitar and there's a girl romancing him Oh, it, this looks this looks awesome. <laughs> I'm, we I'm should save this it. for a, save this for a future episode. A special. My horse prince is composed of ten main chapters and three bonus chapters, during which they are directed to increase the horse's affection for the owner by tapping on icons specific to that chapter. Collecting these icons will, however, lower the horse's stamina, which can be increased by briefly talking to the horse. Oh, so, oh, so it's like a like the horse becomes the prince. I'm not going to read too much about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to spoil it. No. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the genre of game is it's called otome. Um, yeah, that's right. I've just and, been re- just been reading about this right now. And yeah, it's basically like a romance visual novel, story based video games. It says it says aimed mostly at women, but I feel like that's sexist. We're men, and we want to date horses and pigeons. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's what we all want. 
Oh wait, of course someone has already made a version of it where instead of the horse it's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Obviously they've done that. <laughs> yeah, because he is famously horse-faced, as as um, Peter Bradshaw described him in his review of Captain Corelli's Mandolin. <laughs> a horse-faced and barrel-chested Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Can you imagine if they made like a narrative game of Captain Corelli's Mandolin? Oh man, I'd be all over that. You have to do like a quick time event when he's playing the mandolin. Yeah, it would be the worst. <laughs> but also the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this was a really nice diversion. You know, it was really nice to do something different. I, I love watching films, don't get me wrong, but it was actually really nice to take a break for just one week and do something completely different and do something that I could just sort of do on my commute or slot into other little idle moments and stuff. It was really... Yeah, it was really nice. So these kind of games as well lend themselves really well to idle moments. You don't have to kind of sit down and play through them for a while. I don't have to take up the TV or anything like I do with my, my Legend of Zelda on the Super Nintendo Mini, which is going well. But uh, yeah, it was it was just really nice. It was a nice thing, you know. In a, We live in strange and troubled times and have been having very, very busy weeks and busy time at work. It was a really, really nice distraction. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Did you find the same thing? Yeah. So uh, it was it was nice. Um, I obviously spend more time playing video games than you do, just because of the nature of my work. But it was nice to play something a bit different and to play it alongside the more traditional stuff I've had to review. Um, which yeah, it was good. It was good. It was it was refreshing to play something a little bit different. And and I always get a big kick out of playing independent games and games outside of the traditional game spectrum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, this, this did really well for me. I, it, it was nice. Something a bit different. Excellent. Do you, do you have trivia or have we kind of already covered that with the, um... <laughs> I, I, I think by covering <laughs> off the random additional lore, I think we probably covered that from a trivia perspective, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. So how, how are we going to rate, how are we going to rate this? I think the obvious one is how many pigeons out of 20 do you want to fuck? <laughs> all of them all of them <laughs> no um how many partridges in your pear tree <laughs> just to to lead it neatly into the uh the festival oh, that season. is perfect yeah how many partridges in your pear tree so yeah come on paddy how many i'm gonna say there are 16 partridges in my pear tree i think i i thought about going even higher because it was just such an enjoyable and fun diversion but I probably, I I will try to return to it, but I probably will not because I just have other priorities. But yeah, it's very, very good and very enjoyable. And I think I would genuinely recommend this to anyone just as a kind of fun thing to do. You know, even if you're not into video games, I think you could get a kick out of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, For me, I'm giving it 14 partridges in my pear tree, which I think is more than enough partridges in a pear tree. Yeah, that pear tree is creaking. It's definitely more than the Christmas song suggests you should have. Yeah, which and, is just, um, just one. Which is low, just one. Low scoring on the on the uh, yeah, the twelve days of Christmas. What is the twelfth the twelfth thing in that song? It's such a long song that you never get that far. Yeah, what is it? It's probably something probably something rubbish, something ridiculous. Once you get above six or seven, that it just starts to get come too unwieldy, really, doesn't it? Twelve loot boxes. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Twelve loot boxes. Ten football riots, nine calls of duty. Eleventh day is eleven pipers piping. Uh, see, you would not want a piper piping. That is 
That is a horrendous noise. 12... Even if even if they're all doing it in time. Is it 12 drummers drumming? Maybe, yeah. Again, very, very loud. I don't want that. No disrespect to drummers. But you don't want 12 of them, do you? Yeah, exactly. Imagine that. 12 Ringo stars all showing up at your house. <laughs> so we had, we had 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords are leaping, which I think is the most... <laughs> disruptive of them isn't it <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's what goes on in the house of lords isn't it just leaping around the place they're leaping everywhere being yeah. undemocratic and loving it <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah they're jumping for joy because they can't believe their luck you have nine ladies dancing okay that's manageable um eight maids are milking which suggests that there's also eight things for them to milk so i'm going with eight cows on top of it yeah, that's grim. Unless they're try- just trying to milk any animal in sight. They find the yeah. nearest eight animals and then they milk them. Just trying to so milk an them. ant. Yeah, or a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of um, of David Lynch's Dune, which has a completely unnecessary random scene <laughs> where someone's milking a cat for no fucking reason. And it's not in the original book. David Lynch just decided he wanted a scene where someone was milking a cat and wanted to give zero explanation for it. I love that. I think that's, that's the kind of excellent, wonderful diversion. That there's a similar sensibility between that and the randomness of Hatterful Boyfriend, isn't there? Yes, there is. Um, so then we've got seven swans are swimming, which also suggests that they have something to swimming. Yeah. Um, six geese are laying. Yeah. So eggs everywhere as well, eggs rolling around the floor, getting trampled. And as every as any fool know, geese are fucking livid. <laughs> they are livid. There was no geese in Hatterful Boyfriend, thankfully, because that would have been a very vicious game. Yeah, it was only really small birds, wasn't it? No, it was, like yeah. birds of prey, no eagles or um, hawks. Although the hawks ate, killed you, didn't the they? The hawks killed yeah. me, yeah. So there were hawks at some point. Um, you've got the five golden rings. Yeah, obviously. Um, one of them, obviously, had to be taken to Mount Doom. Yeah. Um, four calling birds. <sighs> Three yeah. French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. So that's quite so, a few birds. Really. So what I find funny is that of the seven days of Christmas, only one of them isn't related to birds, the five golden rings. Oh, yeah. And then after that, it just goes fucking out of order. It's got, you've got <laughs> maids, you've got ladies, you've got lords, you've got pipers, you've got drummers. Yeah. It's just like, how mental can we make this? Yeah, it goes goes for it. It's proper banging. Um, but yeah, the the other thing that I don't get about the twelve days of Christmas is on each day the person gets given those things. So the first day is a partridge in a pear tree. The next yeah. day is two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. So by the twelfth day, <laughs> oh, yeah, you've, you've got, got 12, twelve partridges. partridges. <laughs> you've got twenty four turtle doves. Oh Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> Thirty six <laughs> French hens. <laughs> <laughs> that is too many French hens. Yeah, no, well, the worst is lords are leaping because you've got, yeah, well, I suppose, oh, yeah, 12, you've got 11, yeah, 22 lords are leaping. 22 lords are leaping. <laughs> someone, there's got to be someone who's done like an artwork of all of this shit in one room. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all over the place, isn't it? What are you playing at? That's too yeah. many presents. Where are you getting all this money from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Str- you strange, insane, rich man. 
<laughs> Only someone as wealthy as Elon Musk could afford to do this. I, that's what he's going to do for Grimes this year, isn't it? Yeah, it's the worst kind of love bombing. <laughs> oh dear. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so back to her boyfriend after this weird. Wait, diversion. wait. I have more to say on this. I've just been looking this up. This is a, a thing from the the website mentalfloss.com. There's 12 things you might not know about the 12 days of Christmas, but without wanting to go into too much detail, it says here, every year since 1984, a group of economists at PNC Wealth Wealth Management have figured out how much it would cost to actually buy all the things on the 12 days of Christmas list, because I assume that working wealth management is so utterly boring that there's nothing else to do. But um, The so-called Christmas price index indicates inflation and the increasing cost of certain goods. This year, for instance, if you really were going to buy everything on that list, which includes hiring drummers and dancers per performance and milking maids per hour, and presumably a group of men who are willing to leap for pay, <laughs> it would run you $114,651.17. Compare that to 1990, when you could get away with the whole shooting match for a cool fifteen grand. Disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. I'm Let's stand for this nonsense. Yeah. The 12 Days of Christmas is a fucking disgrace. <laughs> let's just let's just say that now. It's disgraceful. It's awful. It should be banned. Ban loot boxes. Ban the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we do have the holidays up next, Paddy. Yeah, this is true. No, this is true. We are um, we are now into the holiday season. Holidays are coming. Don't sue us, Coca Cola. <laughs> um, but yes, as it oh. It, the day after this episode goes out, it will be December, which means we are going to do festive films all month. So, yeah, festive films. We have already. That was that was a little was that a little bit of Trace Adkins there. I was. That's what I was going for. <laughs> Gonna watch those festive films. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeehaw! Slap your Santa. <laughs> I, I certainly will. <laughs> You know, as as I would do to anyone who comes into my house. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get out. Well, we have what are got you a doing chimney. in my house, old man? Have you got a chimney? I don't have a chimney, no. Oh, shit. How's Santa going to get in? It's going to smash a window with a brick. <laughs> yeah. It's a, much e- it's a much easier method. It is. It is much more effective. Yeah. So what are we going to be watching first? We won't reveal all of the festive films at once, will we? We'll, we'll keep you guessing. Yeah, yeah. The first one is something that neither of us have seen because it's very new. I think it only came out onto the Netflix very, very recently. Is this correct? But it follows on from one of the festive films that we watched last year. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is the film you have all been waiting for all year with bated breath. It is... A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding. Say what? Say what? Oh my god. Yeah, it is obviously extremely good and I cannot wait to watch it. It's got the um, same cast. I don't know I'm if it's like so a Beethoven's excited. second situation where they shot it right after the other one with the same cast, but I hope so. I'm all over it. And if it doesn't inc- if it doesn't include a cure for Spina Bifida, I'm going to be furious. I mean, that's got to be the focus of one of the movies, hasn't it? Yeah, A Christmas Prince, medical research. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a three-hour-long documentary about medical research. Yeah, about how the Aldovian government spends a lot of money on medical research and cutting-edge medical tech. 
I mean, that would be good if they did. They could be like Wakanda of Europe. Yeah, that that's definitely where the A Christmas Prince universe is headed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. I'd love it if it tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe out of nowhere. <laughs> no, no, it's the Royal Wedding Cinematic Universe. Remember? Uh, true. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Wills and Kate and um, Harry and Meghan are in there somewhere because they've, they've had movies made about them as well. Indeed, indeed. We need to find more royal wedding movies. But the good news is there's lots of them on Netflix. You could you could reasonably spend your entire holiday break watching like royal wedding movies on Netflix. There are an obscene amount of them, it's got to be said. What a fascinating modern world we live in. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch this. Um, you know, A Christmas Prince was a, a real, genuine, like quite enjoyable, fun highlight of last season, and I'm, you know, I'm amazed that we we're here we're here again. It's the second year in a row we've got to our like festive special month, and it feels good. I don't know about you, but it feels it feels good. It feels worthy of celebration. Yeah, it's brilliant. I like it. Yeah, it's great to be here for sure. A uh, friend of the podcast, Oliver Carey, has been tweeting us with Christmas films, and I kind of feel bad that we've discussed, we've already decided which ones we're going to do, even though we're not going to tell you. He tweeted us a trailer for a film called Pottersville. Are you aware of this? No, I don't know Pottersville. It's got Michael Shannon as in it with his craggy oh, face. Mate. It's got apparently, according to Ollie, romance, Michael Shannon, furries, a Bigfoot investigation, and all in a movie shot like it's a Hallmark Christmas film, which sounds incredible. So. Even if we don't get to it, I think that's definitely going on my Christmas watch list anyway. I mean, I th- I think we should have some discussions about whether we want to throw that into the mix, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's got, for sure. It's got Bigfoot in it. I'm fully yeah. on board with it immediately. Oh, and Judy Greer, like her. And Christina Hendricks. And Ron from, Perlman. From The Mad Men. So, so this is basically, it's got Ron Perlman and Christina Hendricks. This is effectively a drive reunion. Yeah. Ian McShane. What? Lovejoy's in it. Lovejoy's in it. Holy shit. How have I not heard of of this? Like, how did we not know about this? I I really want to watch this now. Let's find a place for this. Let's find a place for this. Okay, we've got to fit this in. We'll discuss discuss off air. We'll do a switcheroo. Yeah, this is is too good to miss. Cool. Well, in that case, uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Or shall we... Go away and start putting up our Christmas decorations. That's Christmas. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm done. I got nothing else to say. Cool. Well, in that case, let's um, stop the cavalry and end it there. <laughs> um, thank you very very much for listening. Obviously, we really appreciate it. Obviously, this is the first episode where we've ever discussed a video game instead of a film. We hope you've really enjoyed it. And if you hadn't played How to Full Boyfriend. Um, we didn't spoil much of it to be honest with you like so really really do go and play it it's available on ios for just a couple of quid and it's really enjoyable so yeah go watch it, it. and it, if you did it. tell us about it um tweet us at big boys don't pod email us at big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com tell us which birds you dated we want to know did you have fun with the evil partridge doctor you know we want to hear about it yeah which bird do you now love yeah <laughs> <laughs> let us know in the comments yeah and yeah if you have anything to add to the the trace adkins country and western future cinematic universe then yeah we're all ears yes throw them away all right thanks a lot for tuning in um do you please leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your pods that's always nice to 
know that people like what we do, etc. And see those numbers racking up. Feels good. Uh, so thanks a lot. And we'll be back next week to talk about A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding. Oh, yes, indeed. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Ha, 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 ha,